All right, first, who had a great meal tonight? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Let me see it. I mean, I don't know about you, but my favorite is that roadkill chili. Okay? I had one bowl, like I snuck one in the kitchen at 4.30. Nobody knew except a couple people, right? I took another one that's in the refrigerator, so nobody take that. And I don't think chili is soup, Steve. I think, you know, it's chili. I mean, come on. It's chili. But thank God. Can we thank God for the leadership of, of Rick and Alicia Connor and all the volunteers, all the volunteers that made this happen. I mean, I saw people that were sitting down, Boy Scouts, I think, the Matichuk boys just bringing out extra tables and chairs and trays flying all over the place. I mean, it was just amazing. It's a great night. Isn't it a great night for a church? I mean, it's just great. And here's what I think. It's, it's, we praise God for meaningful traditions that point us to Jesus. Amen? I mean, in the time where we, we, we come as a church family, you know, we're sharing God's word together. The Holy Spirit's working. Jesus is right in that gym with us. Amen? It's good. It's good for our stomachs. It's good for our souls. And then we worship together, right? And now as you sit down, you're going to start to fall asleep because, you know, that's okay. Whatever bit of God's word you get right now is okay with me. And then we get to share some other great traditions tonight. The Lord's Supper, number one, his body, his blood, in the bread and in the wine. Such a good night of tradition that point to Jesus. Well, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, thank you for letting me be in your living room watching. Um, it, we get to celebrate Holy Communion, so our hospitality team, if you forgot to get the elements of the bread and the wine, just feel free to raise your hand right now. We have people who come in and, and they'll, get, they'll get you those elements. So just raise them high uh, as we celebrate that after my message. There's another special tradition that we do on this night as we begin um, Ash Wednesday, and that's putting ashes on your forehead. It's just another way we can feel and know that Jesus is with us and brings us closer to him. It's these things that our minds and our hearts, right, uh, that we're ready to celebrate because this is the time of year where we prepare for the three biggest kind of days Besides Christmas, you know, the three biggest days, if you're a Christ follower, if you follow Jesus, it's what we do uh, between now and these 40 days. Those three days are what? Maundy Thursday. Maundy just is, is a Latin word for mandatum, which means command. Some people call it Holy Thursday, where, where Jesus does a number of things. One of them is institute that last supper. Then there's Good Friday. His, we celebrate his death. And then there's Easter, the resurrection. And those happen just in April. Where is it March now? March 2nd? So April 14th, 15th, and 17th of this year is when we celebrate. And between now and then, we get to spiritually really prepare for that time. So that's why we call this day Ash Wednesday because of a few Bible verses I want to share with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 20 says, All come from dust and to dust all return. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, this is right when the fall of Adam and Eve, when they fall into sin. It says, until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Adam and Eve, out of the ground, their bodies are made. All of us are made out of what? Besides water. Dust. Dust. Temporary housing, right? For our eternal spirit. 
Psalm 103 says it this way, The Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. And he remembers that we are what? Dust. So that tradition of putting a cross made out of ashes pretty much from the Palm Sunday kind of uh, crosses that you get. That's what the ashes are made out of every year. We remember the need of the cross, that it purifies us. His blood shed on the cross purifies us from sin. It's, it's, it's kind of a gesture, right? It's a humble, repentant gesture coming up here uh, after Holy Communion. It's not a have-to thing. It's not required. It's absolutely voluntary if that's what you want to do uh, as we begin Lent. Ash Wednesday, beginning Lent for 40 days. And by the way, as I was preparing for this message, I thought, uh, I saw something that was kind of strange preparing for it. Hopefully you'll get a chuckle out of it. But what um, 40 days, that word for 40-day duration of time, do you know what it is? 40-day duration of time? Wouldn't you know, it's called quarantine. (laughs) Even on the CDC website, it says that in the Middle Ages, this practice of quarantine during the 14th century is an effort to protect these coastal cities in Italy, in Venice, or the city in Venice, from plague and epidemics. So ships, like, park outside, you know, of of these uh, uh, ports, uh, and they anchor there for 40 days. And so this word quarantine is coming from the Italian quaranta giorni. I had to practice that. Quaranta giorni, which means 40 days. And guess what? 40 days is a pretty kind of popular thing in Scripture, isn't it? I mean, let's think about the 40 days in the Bible, can we? The 40 days, right, of rain. Day and night in Noah's day flooded the earth, right? Forty days and nights. Here's Moses receiving the law of God, right, on Mount Sinai. Forty years, the people of Israel wander in the desert. Forty days of fasting and repentance for for Jonah in in Nineveh, the people of Nineveh. Forty days of fasting and prayer, too, as the Spirit of God leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Forty days. Days is a pretty popular number in Scripture. And when I say the word quarantine, does it give you a little bit of PTSD? I mean, how many times in this two-year period of quarantine? Well, let me ask this. Raise your hand if you've never had to quarantine. Oh, you lucky ducks. Wow, that's awesome. You never had to quarantine. How about raise your hand if you had to quarantine one or two times? Feel free to look around the room. (laughs) Raise your hand if you had to uh, quarantine three to five times. Numbers getting less, all right? Anyone more than five times? Oh, that's my bad shoulder. (laughs) I mean, oh, quarantine from COVID. Fortunately, it's not 40 days, right? What is it down to these days? Right. Zero? I don't know. All right, let's let's just, okay, that's enough of the quarantine stuff. Forty days preparation uh, for the three big, really holy days, holidays uh, of uh, being a Christ follower. And Lent, then, is that 40-day period. That's what we call it. It starts with Ash Wednesday. And Lent would be a sacred time. Another word for sacred is a set-apart time, a holy time where we get to kind of spiritually prepare. 
And so tonight is, is, is really the start of a sermon series that we're going to focus on habits. Habits that get us, uh, can help us get our hearts and minds ready that we all celebrate his death and his resurrection in about, I don't know, seven weeks or so, right? So you might exactly ask, how do we prepare for these things? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. My answer is we look into God's word. Matthew chapter 6. So why don't you open your Bibles there, Matthew 6, or if you have it on your phones or whatever device you have. Uh, we're going to uh, read a portion of really, as you get there, um, it's a sermon by Jesus. And it's one of his most famous sermons in all of scripture. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. As Moses, right, he receives the Ten Commandments on a mountainside. So Jesus is going to expound upon that law, the Ten Commandments, in this famous, uh, most famous of his sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And then it's really just a, a couple chapters long in Matthew. But at the end, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, it says this. The crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as, as one having authority. That's Jesus. He's the teacher, and we listen to his sermon, okay? So listen in and pretend you're there on that mountainside with Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Be careful, Jesus says, not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go in your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Skip to verse 16. And when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That little portion of Scripture, there is a word that's repeated many times. Not just many, at least six in the Greek form of the word, six times. Don't get, bring attention when you give, when you fast, when you pray, but do them in what? Secret. The Greek word is kryptos. Kind of like crypto, like cryptog you know, cryptography or cryptocurrency. Unseen, hidden, secret. Don't tell anybody about it. And I realize that might come as a surprise to you because if you've read chapter 5 of the scriptures, Jesus almost seems like he's telling the opposite thing. What? Wait a minute. I'm a Christ follower? 
I'm going to keep, you know, these good things to do, just keep them in secret? It seems the opposite of what a Christian should do. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. Jesus says the same sermon, right? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So how do we do this? How do we obey Jesus in what he says? Two seemingly opposite things. Do we let our light shine so others can see? Or do we be careful not to do these acts of righteousness, which is it? Jesus, have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought about that? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> Both and. That's a great Lutheran response, by the way. But the answer is in the motivation. If you notice, if you look closely what Jesus is warning, be careful when you give and pray and you fast. Don't let other people see. Don't be honored by men. Don't give attention to that. When you give, when you pray, when you, when you fast, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if you want that kind of attention, if you want that praise from men, well, you're going to receive your reward in full, and that reward is going to be short-lived, isn't it? It's right here on this earth, and that's all you're going to get. You remember when Jesus ascends into heaven, and the, the, the angels, you know, they see these two men in white, and he's going up, and, and so before he says that, Jesus says these words, you're going to be my witnesses. My witnesses to the ends of the earth. So witnessing, being a witness, requires that you do words and actions. So yes, we are to, to let our light shine. And yes, we are to also practice those acts of righteousness so that no others see them. It's kind of a paradox, right? But we're going to get into it a little bit because... Our faith in Jesus and how we live it out is truly meant to be seen. But what we must be careful of is this, that we don't put those acts of righteousness on display in order, and here's the key word, to impress people. To impress people. Because that's the temptation of the devil who is still alive, who still wants to, who still thinks that he can take all of us down, Right? Unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. But the arrogance in our hearts and the pride in our hearts and those achievements, I mean, we all want, sometimes secretly, right, all want the pat on the back, don't we? We want to say, yeah, that a boy, good job. We want others to see these things. And then we begin to make a show about what we're doing or calling attention to ourselves of pursuing praise of the world. Guess what? That's vanity, isn't it? And that's pride at work. That's the sin in our hearts, isn't it? Striving for this self kind of recognition and pleasure and not God's pleasure. And Jesus here is saying, he's warning us, be on guard against practicing those habits, those spiritual disciplines of giving and praying and fasting. Be careful when you do it. So we're going to spend a, a few minutes because it's just kind of a cursory overview. We're going to dig deep and dive deep into some of those habits in the next seven weeks. But this is just an, an overview. We're going to spend a couple minutes on preparing the way Jesus said to prepare. And the thing I found out when I'm studying this, and I think it's, it's very interesting, Jesus says when. When you give to the needy, he says. When 
you pray. He says, when you fast, not if. Not if. He knows his followers want to follow him. That's what Jesus did. That's what they want to do. So it's a good thing. And so I ask you, in these next 40 days, would you consider, beginning tonight, how Lent's going to be unique, 2022, this year, for you? Certainly not a requirement, right? It's not a have-to thing. It's a get-to thing, and it builds healthy spiritual habits. So let's consider the first one. Giving, right? Giving to the needy, Jesus said. I mean, there's a wide range of ways we can give, right? I mean, so many things. We can give money. We can donate to charities. We can donate to church and in the ministries. We can give that money, but we can also give time. We can also volunteer for ministries and nonprofits and, and people in our neighborhood. Spending time, giving your time away to your elderly neighbor, right? Making a meal. Volunteering at church, those that volunteered to bring the soup tonight, I mean, thank you again. That was awesome and amazing. People uh, in our neighborhood, just think about what, what they need, right? Shoveling snow for our neighbors, driving somebody to doctor's appointments, babysitting. I mean, we, we give our time. We give our talents. You ever consider that? Talents, the, the special abilities that God has given you, right? Every one of us has different spiritual gifts, but also talents that we can put into use, right? Can you fix cars? Can you do work on computers? Can you, can you just be a friend to someone in need this year, this 40-day time frame? If you consider that for these next days, consider how much, right? How much time you want to give. Maybe you suspend some leisure activity, right? And you volunteer somewhere else. If you need some help with that, give me a call. I got a couple ideas. All right? What about fasting? The discipline of fasting. And it's, it's a form of sacrifice, isn't it? I mean, we intentionally deprive ourselves of something, just like Jesus did 40 days and nights in the desert, right? And we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross when, when, when he does that. A goal of fasting, if you think about it, is to kind of remove something from our lives, right? Remove from our lives and, and make more space for God. That's, that's what fasting is. So when we get hungry, right, we fasted from food. When we have that desire uh, of something that we suspended or we set aside, it's meant for us to recognize then our need for Jesus. So if we're struggling to pray, right, if we're struggling to pray every day, we could fast from social media, binge watching, whatever it is, right? The list can be endless, can it? Fasting from desserts, from, from fast food, from online shopping, from sleeping in, from coffee, from secular music, watching the news, social media, binge watching, pop. I mean, it's endless, right? What? what it could go on and on. Fasting, it's an individual and unique kind of spiritual discipline. And then the other discipline Jesus mentions here in Matthew 6 is prayer. He says, when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Pretty simple directions, right? Go in your room, close the door, pray to your father. I mean, we're giving to the needy, right, and, and fasting. They have countless ways to do them. Prayer isn't really that complicated, is it? I mean, done by anyone. Everyone can pray. And Lent is an excellent time to set a goal for a certain time, a certain number of days where you just sit quietly, you unplug and be with the Lord because the Lord wants that relationship with you. He does. 
I gave you, if you didn't get it, I gave you two kind of examples of this. Now, they're ancient examples, right? Uh, but they stood the test of time. And so you can get this. Uh, hopefully it's also available for those online. Kind of fancy Latin words, but, but the, the Lectio Divina, that's kind of the way I do it. I didn't even realize, hey, this is what I do. And it's really, there's four kind of movements in it. It's really good. Uh, just a tool for you, a way to listen and speak to God in conversation. Because that's what prayer is. We open up God's word. We allow him to speak to us. And then we speak back to him. In the quietness of our hearts, in prayer, in our prayer closet, you know, on your bed, whatever it is. And as I was preparing uh, for this message, I was really convicted that as much as I'm preparing and training for a special day in April for me, I think it's after Easter. If Easter's April the 17th, I'm preparing for a Tough Mudder race. How many of you have done that before? Ever heard of that, Tough Mudder? Uh, my three sons said, Dad, you got to do this with us. My son, my middle son's graduating. It's in St. Charles, Missouri, and I started training in January. And then I was considering this message. I'm thinking, as much as I'm preparing for that race, you know what? There's 40 days where I can also spiritually prepare to celebrate the most significant uh, days of the Christian's life, right? To, to follow Jesus and really just make Easter and Good Friday and Monday, Thursday something special. So use that tool if you want. Do whatever. Giving, fasting, praying. Those are all things. And Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6, just don't make a big deal about it. Just don't make a big deal about it. Do them not for the recognition of others. One last important aspect I want to notice from Matthew 6 before we close. Verses 4 and 6 and 18. What do they say about God our Father? Verses 4, 6, and 18. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The Father who's in secret, who we cannot see, of course, right? That's why he's in secret, but he's in present everywhere in the whole universe. He fills all things, yet he's hidden. He knows all things. He sees our spiritual poverty. He sees us in need, and he wants to give. He hears already and knows the prayers of our hearts, and he answers according to his good and gracious will. What does he do? He rewards. He rewards what is done in secret. And when he sees his children giving and fasting and praying, his promise is he rewards. Now know how that happens. It might not happen in, on this earth, right? But he rewards uniquely and differently to all people. That's his promise because he wants to give. And we're not to concern ourselves about that. The point is this, that those acts of righteousness which we do when we give, when we pray, when we fast, they don't go unnoticed by our Heavenly Father because he loves to give. Amen? So as you walk forward tonight, right, as you get that cross made out of ashes on your forehead, I want to encourage you to think about what Jesus did for you on the cross. How he lovingly created each and every one of you, specially saved you from what your sins deserve, right? An eternity in hell? Think about how Jesus, how he gives to the needy, how he fasts, how he prayed when he lived on this earth. That he gives us forgiveness of sins, eternal life. That he sacrificed so much, he fasted 
He prayed in, this, in his heavenly prayer. I don't know if you know this in John chapter 17. It's called a high priestly prayer. That Jesus says, I pray not only for those that hear, but I also pray for those who will believe on my name. That he had you in mind even as he lived on this earth. That's amazing to me how much Jesus loves us. And he wants this relationship with us. And he's, I mean, well, here's the question I ask for you tonight. What can you do differently for the next seven weeks to appreciate what he did on the cross? And the significance of what that empty tomb means. What can you do differently? What will Lent look like for you? I pray that we live our lives praising God for what Jesus did on the cross. That he took our sins away. And that empty tomb reminds us that our bodies will be resurrected from the grave just like Jesus. Amen. And so as we go these next seven weeks, we're going to talk about these holy habits that would point us closer to him. Guess what? Yes, we're made of dust. And our bodies will turn back into dust. But he does a lot of amazing things with dust. He made you. He made me to have a perfect and glorified body one day. Yeah, my body will be on the ground someday. But his promise is that my soul, when it's absent from the body, it's going to be present with the Lord. But when he comes again, my soul and my body are going to be connected. And there's going to be no more aches, no more pains, no more sorrow, no more tears. That's his promise. He does amazing things with dust.